Tune in to the hottest sports talk show on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. Join us weekdays at 7 p.m. Stories about players and coaches of all levels. We make it easy to talk sports. Never had it so good. Sports Talk Radio. We're live tonight, the 7 p.m. hour and the 8 p.m. hour. But here we are at 6:30, and we're celebrating Women's in History um, Month this month. And we're starting out here with Stephanie Perkins, Coach Stephanie Perkins, and we'll get her in here in just a moment. Um, Duck Riley, my co-host, Tim Moore, my co-host, and sometimes we don't get enough in pre in pre-show to talk like we should talk. But Tim, <laughs> since I missed you last night. I really want to get 30 to 60 seconds, your take on on the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, and he's giving them a list of what he wants in order to join him. Your thoughts about all of this? Well, you know, I, I, I hear a lot of the pundits on television talking about how, you know, the Jets are going to win, um, you know, with Aaron Rodgers, their, their Super Bowl contender. My problem is um, what do we have to give up to get him? Are we going to decimate other parts of, a, of an otherwise very good young football team just to get Aaron Rodgers? And I hear today that he's he's uh, you know you know placed on the table that he wants them to go after two or three particular free agents. Uh, he doesn't want to play with the guys that are there. Uh, I would say go after Lamar Jamar Jackson. Yeah, and you know that is got that will tear up a locker room. I don't want to prolong this. I want to get. Coach Perkins in here, but that in itself, okay, I want these players to come, which means whatever position you have in there, you know, I don't want them. That that right. sets up some, some ugly stuff for sure. Um, gentlemen, great to have you on. Let's go ahead and get um, Coach Perkins in here. Stephanie, how are you tonight? I'm good. How are you? Doing really good. Thank you for taking time to be with us as we celebrate this. And just have a little girl power in the midst of all these guys oh, here. Boy. Oh, oh my! Oh my! Oh my! Here we go. All right, Stephanie. Thank you, Duck, for inviting her. Tim and Duck take over. I'll come in at the end. <laughs> all right, Stephanie. Yep. She blew everything. Oh, Coach Perkins. She blew everything I was going to say. But anyway, girl power. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Coach Perkins, kind of give us a little bit of your background and how you got started with uh, track and field. I actually, like, we can go way back or we can talk about how I got Go way back. We, we, we want to know it all. Go, take us back. I was at a private school, and my gym teacher noticed me in class. We had a field day. And you know how in gym they have different topics. Uh, You know, you learn softball, you learn soccer. We had a track and field unit, and um, I pretty much did everything. And then we ended up having a field day, and I beat everybody in the school. And um, my gym teacher told my mom that she thought I'd be good at track. And so my mom researched and went trying to find track programs. And someone gave her, uh, that same gym teacher was at a high school later, years later, and told her about uh, the Colorado Flyers. 
and uh, it was a track club in Colorado. Uh, Tony Wells was the coach, and I ran for him, started running for him when I was about 11, and then uh, my dad had to go to the Persian Gulf War, so schedule for my mom trying to run us around every everywhere while working, and so I took a little hiatus away from that and then came back to track and field um, in high school, uh, started running in high school, and linked back up with Tony Wells again after my sophomore year. Okay. Uh, when did you realize that, hmm, I could possibly get a scholarship out of this? I don't even know if I was thinking about a scholarship per se. I just knew after going 0-19, my sophomore year <laughs> in basketball, I decided I wanted to do something where I'm going to win. And I was better at track. I didn't really like it. I just knew after track season I could jump higher, and I wanted to dunk. <laughs> um, okay. I wanted to be able to hit the backboard when I made a layup in basketball. That was actually my first love. Uh, so I um, ran track just to kind of keep me in shape for basketball. But I think uh, my after going to state my freshman year and my sophomore year, um, you know, started getting letters. In, in the mail, uh, and I got more D1 offers in track than I did in basketball, and I think that's kind of what led and pushed me into that. Um, running for Tony made me enjoy the sport. He was a scientist. He was way ahead of his time um, for what he was doing with us back then, but running with him made me love it, and he brought things out of me that I didn't even know I had. Um, and so I think the way he coached, he was so methodical, yeah, there was a, always a plan. Um, he he made me realize that track is a science, and it's not just running around, you know, in circles. And so I think just developing that love for the sport under his tutelage is where I kind of started leaning more towards trying to do the uh, do it at the collegiate level. Okay, now you're a freshman in college. What's, what's going through your mind? You know, you got all these upperclassmen there and everything. How does how does Coach Perkins fit in? Well, I was one of the only girls on the team at the time from uh, Colorado. Most of the team I went to Oklahoma State was from Dallas and Houston. Um, and I liked the team. I chose to go to Oklahoma State because I wanted to be a veterinarian. And at the time, it was the third best school in the nation but I think as a freshman uh, the coach that recruited me uh, was gone before I got there and so I think I was worried that I wasn't going to have a a hurdle coach Um, I I went through about four coaches during my time at Oklahoma State and each coach kind of changed my event so yeah sitting in freshman I, I, I mean I love the university had a great experience. Had you know, I'm still friends with my teammates, but um, I think it just it didn't go as well as I thought it was going to go. I think by the time I was a freshman, I expected with my rate of progression coming out of high school that I was going to go to nationals, and that never came into fruition. Um, yeah, so freshman year was rough. I think um, like any other freshman, you think you can do the same things you were doing in high school, but you actually have to level up. And you want to be grown so bad, but you don't know anything. 
and you have no idea how far you are from being an adult. So I think I was just excited to be grown. I'm in college. I got this scholarship. But um, I think freshman year is just a learning curve. And I probably started figuring it out uh, junior year and really wanted to leave a better legacy than I knew I was going to leave. But I ended up blowing out my knee at conference and triple jump. And so I was medicaled out of uh, the, the sport. I had to get two, three surgeries. So. Okay. Now, are, are you still sticking with your major? I decided, okay, sophomore year changed my major from bi- biology pre-vet to uh, microbiology. I was wanting to start um, in the forensic program. They had a sister campus. It was not actually on Oklahoma State's campus at that time, but I was moving into the direction of being a forensic pathologist. So I changed my major again, and then I just ended up um, majoring in microbiology, minoring in biology, and decided what am I going to do with this science degree. So um, I finished with a microbiology degree. Okay. Now, you're finished college. What's next for Coach Perkins? So after college, of course, like any other college kid with no work experience, you moved back home for a little bit, <laughs> stayed with my parents, and went back to um, the program that helped me get to college. And I went back and helped coach uh, with Tony Wells, worked with the club team while uh, working a job as an environmental scientist and um, ended up doing high school coaching on the side. I was just volunteering and working with a couple of individuals, and a coach approached me on the track, um, Bill Edwards. He was at Overland High School and said, hey, I'm looking for a women's uh, coach, uh, a coach for our girls' team. You know, you can be the head. And I'm like, hey, I have a real job, (laughs) and I don't know (laughs) if I can get anything that I need. I just do this because I like doing it. Um, I'll see. So I worked something out with a job, and they're like, as long as you get your, you know, your stuff done, we'll work with you. Um, They thought it was kind of cool. So I took the job as the assistant. I told them I did not want to be ahead. I really just like coaching. I don't want to do any paperwork. I don't want to be in an office behind. I really like coaching. So, you know, you be the head, and I'll coach the kids up, and then I'll go to work. So that was the first year. And then the second year, the um, well, after the first year, we went to state, one state in the four-by-one, and my long jumper won state. And um, the head coach stepped down to be an administrator and said, you know, you really should be the head coach. So I worked it out with my job again, and I was the head girls coach at Overland High School for three years before I took um, – a teaching opportunity, got got uh, an alternative teaching certification to teach high school science, 9 through 12. And so I moved to Dallas to um, teach and coach. But secretly I was uh, training. And so I wanted to be in a warm weather place. And um, at the time, coaching allowed me access to a weight room and facilities. <laughs> um, and that's kind of how it was at Overland too. And then the teaching just took up so much time and the coaching so I fully hung up my spikes and decided to focus on being a teacher and a coach. Okay. All right. 
Tim. Uh, Coach Perkins, glad to uh, have you on the program uh, and glad to meet you in this uh, in this fashion. Um, you're My coaching coach. at yeah, you're coaching at uh, Southern Illinois, Carbondale, Illinois, the alma mater of Walt Clyde Frazier. Uh, yes, <laughs> uh, great school uh, historically. Uh, the Ohio Valley Conference is that correct? Missouri Valley. Missouri, Missouri Valley Conference. Mm-hmm. Um, what has that been like? I understand you were at BYU before you came to uh, to Southern Illinois. Um, it's been good. First of all, I'm closer to family. Um, I'm in a different role than I was previously as an assistant, um, being that I'm an associate head coach. But um, it, it just aligns with what I wanted in a program in terms of building up a program uh, from, you know, I, I thought it would be a great place for me to to be to be closer to family, a lot more diversity, and be able to just kind of build something, help somebody with their vision for the program. And uh, Coach Jones, my director, um, I like what his vision was for for the program, um, and it aligned with what I wanted. On top of you know, the location being closer to my family, I have two twin boys. And um, my parents are getting older. I have a brother with kids. Um, it just fit. It checked a lot of boxes for me um, that that aligned with what I wanted. Yeah, the profile of that college uh, is uh, is uh, dealing with uh, with kids, you know, who are not from privileged backgrounds largely, but the hardworking families, uh, you know, uh, send their kids to Southern Illinois. I stopped through there a couple of years ago on the way to Kansas City and spent the night in Marion, which is right off the highway at one of the hotels. Uh, and I've got a good friend there on campus. I don't know if you know who is a professor at your law school who is a former um, uh, national champion, a hurdler uh, in small college. Um, there at uh, Southern Illinois. Um, talk to me about the challenge of that particular conference uh, and dealing with kids uh, that that really want to make a make a, an impact, uh, but uh, you know sometimes uh, may not be uh, the LSU Tennessee type uh, type athletes that uh, get all the opportunities, but are, they're working hard to try to make something of themselves. I will honestly say I don't really think there are challenges. Um, I try to approach the way I coach the athletes the same way I've always coached them. Um, and there really hasn't been any challenges. Uh, I, I love the kids that I'm working with. They um, are all locked into the way I do things. And um, I really love watching them believe that they can compete with the, the, the P5 schools. And so um, – I think the challenge is sometimes, just like you said, um, we may not we have resources, but we may not have you know a pool table and a waterfall in our locker room. Um, <laughs> so, so you know what you're selling tends to be things like the culture, the family environment, and you know the staff's ability to coach people to improvement. And so I think I feel like these athletes are very grateful for their opportunity. And to have a coach, you know, coaches that believe in them, and like you said, they are hardworking. It's the, the blue collar kid that is okay coming in to work, and um, they just want to be great. So I haven't really had much challenges in coaching the athletes. Uh, a, a lot of them look just like me, 
and so I'm allowed to be myself, and um, they understand the language. I understand them, and uh, we we have similar, you know, experiences to to build that trust and that relationship. So um, I'm going to say, as far as coaching the athletes, it hasn't been challenging at all. Mm-hmm. How uh, has because your your experience just listening to you in in the early years was very different. Uh, I mean, very similar to, to to mine in terms of track. Is that I I, I too ran track in high school uh, as a means to get ready for football. You know, it was something our coach told us: either we play baseball or run track or lift weights. Right. And I wasn't trying to do those other things. But it you know it it turned out to be you know quite honestly the, the period of time during the year when I was in the best shape than I was of any of the other sports. Um, No doubt from time to time you've had to coach kids who are just developing that love for, uh, for track and field and, and to, to, to get into, um, you know, taking maybe what may be a a superior athletic uh, student and uh, teaching them the finer points of strategy and things like that. How, how, how much does your experience of having um, just gone from um, just doing track to learning to love it, uh, translate into being able to 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 get that across to to students. I think just like with uh, you know how Tony had a plan for us and uh, made us learn the sport. You know he wasn't just telling us what to do. We had to think about what we were doing and be intentional about every movement. We did a lot of repetition and a lot of good repetition. And so I think as they learn more about the event um, and just track itself, they're starting to watch, look at their own film and critique themselves and critique and help each other. And it kind of helps bond the team too. I mean, everybody is helping each other out and has um, a hand in, in people's success. So they're just as proud as the athlete and me as a coach when their teammates are successful because it's like, wow, that was good. You finally did A, B, C, and D, you know, and um, look at your time or look at your mark. So I think just approaching them in that same way that there is a science to it and um, teaching them that they have a lot more control over their success than they realize and putting the onus on them but being more of a facilitator. That's what Tony used to always say is, hey, I'm just a facilitator. Like, you mm-hmm. got to go out there and do it. I'm, I can't get in the blocks for you and run your race. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. It's your job to execute the plan and, and get it done. And then when we didn't execute, we went back to the lab and worked on the things that we needed to execute. Um, mm-hmm. Also just um, like I said, the repetition so that when the gun goes off, like everything happens, but realizing that it's all a process and things take time. You know, I think one of the things I see through the different stages of learning is they start to get impatient. They're like, if I could just fix these 11 things, and I'm like, well, it looked like when you were running you were thinking about that. <laughs> so so let's, let, let's work on two maybe or three this week and, and do those things really well so that we can progress and do other things really well. And so just teaching them to be patient. I think, you know, with this generation, they have everything at the push of a button. And so, um, you know, weeks seem like years and days seem like months to them. But I'm like, no, I know it's such a cliche thing, but you do have to trust the the process and um, stay diligent in your efforts. And I think uh, one of the things we do is we journal. 
So they have a journal. Um, I like when we meet in one-on-ones and they flip back through their pages and giggle and laugh at the, that they were doing back in September compared to what they're doing now. So they're able to, you know, see their own journey and see that they're improving and, um, you know, they're excited about where they're going, you know. So uh, that, that's just my, my approach to it. Okay. Coach Rob? See, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring princes in and uh, let her give a little girl power. <laughs> Coach Perkins, it's just awesome to listen to you. I want to ask you first um, to compare recruiting when you came through the process to how it is now, and a, and give me a couple glaring differences. N I L the transfer portal. Um, Those are the biggest In social media Wow Those are the biggest glaring uh, Differences Is learning how to 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 keep up with the time While Mm -hmm. just Trying to stay authentic to who I am as a person And not get caught up I did not I think I When social media is around We had MySpace Um, And then I think Facebook came around but I don't feel like we put everything out there. Mm-hmm. Um, every thought, you know, we we posted pictures with our girls and um, put cool music on our, our MySpaces and cool backgrounds, but we did not put every little thing out there to social media, and we weren't looking for social media to tell us how to look, how to be, how to act. And so um, I feel like there's a lot more comparison. You know, Mm -hmm. well, I saw this on TikTok, and I saw this on YouTube, and I was looking on such and such's page, and they have this, and we should do that. So, I I, I mean, (laughs) those are the biggest glaring differences uh, from the recruiting process. I felt like, you know, coaches spent time with you. They came in your house. Well, at least for me, my recruiting experience, I had a lot of home visits. But Mm -hmm. um, we, we talked on the phone, and I had to have conversations I text athletes all the time. I hate texting, but I know that's what they do. You call them, they won't answer the phone. You send a text, they hit you right back. And so, um, you know, just learning to, that this is where we're at with these these athletes. I think also, um, you know, we're dealing with more emotional athletes. Not to say that we were um, not emotional, but I think we just – we had a better grasp of authority and a respect for authority. So you, even if you questioned your coach, you didn't question them. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't ask them questions. You're just like, well, this is what my coach told And your parents were right there with you. Like, all right, well, whatever your coach says. So I think in the world we live in now, the athletes have a lot more power and, um, we have to allow them the space to have conversations and talk to us um, and ask us questions, I will say. Um, so I do understand that, which is why I feel like having a plan. After a while, they realize there's a method to my madness, and they're like, okay, here's the plan. What's next? the next steps in our plan? But for sure, the biggest, the biggest things are social media, NIL, and the transfer portal. Yeah, yeah. And we could spend all day another show on just 
just that. I wanted to see if I can get this question in. Last year, I was really enamored with the World Track and Field um, Competition Championships in Oregon. Um, did you relate to that, ask them to watch? You know, what was the feel about that and it being right here on our, our soil in Oregon? Um, I think it was, you know, we had the under-20s, and then we had uh, an Oregon, and then we had, you know, the world champs. And I think yeah. um, having the, the younger athletes there um, to see and witness the professionals and be on the same stage as they were at, um, you know, I had an athlete at BYU that qualified in, in um, under-20s, and I, I hope that she's not embarrassed by this, but I remember sitting in the stands with her, and she just got emotional. And she just um, started crying. And I'm like, first I thought it was allergies because we were in Oregon. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm like, are you okay? And she said, I'm just really happy. Like, I dreamed, this has been my dream since middle school to be on this stage. And here I am, you know, just a, just a little girl from BYU, a little freshman, and I'm here in Oregon. And, and you know, look at this facility. She was just, but I think it lit a fire in her. Um, that, you know, she probably didn't even believe she could be there or that it was going to happen at that time. And I know for sure it lit a fire in her. Also, the team, um, I think for a lot of athletes, that that's kind of like a goal now versus where it just seems like something so unattainable before seeing so many people that made the team and come right out of the NCAAs and be in the USA uniform. Or, or whatever country they were representing, um, I, I just think it it raised up the level for the college athletes and saying that I could possibly go pro um, right out, right after the national meet. Yeah. So it was nice yeah. to have it at home, um, and it was a nice to have you know the under twenties there too to to be on that stage and, and see what it takes to be at that level. Last question, Coach. I want to see if I can get this in here, 30 to 60 seconds. Um, parents who have their athletes going through the recruiting process, what advice would you give to them? Um, or is there a specific question you would advise them to ask all all coaches? But can you give me, um, you know, your thoughts about that to the parents, not just the students, student athletes, but the parents? I think um, the parents should ask whatever they need to feel comfortable um, sending their babies um, across the country to a, a school. Um, I think they should also um, give, take a step back and allow the athletes to interact with the coaches. Um, everybody's so proud of their baby. You know, we're parents and they want to brag, but ultimately the athlete's going to be with the coach for the next four to five years. And um, we're trying to get to know them. I think it's good for them to ask questions so that at the next visit, the athlete can be considering those things and ask them themselves. But I, I, I feel like they need to ask about the community itself, not just the college, and see, you know, if there wasn't track or football or baseball, would you choose this university? Um, those are important questions asked about the team dynamics. And um, ask what the athletes think about the coaches because they'll be honest and, and tell you. And um, I think that that's the biggest mm -hmm. thing. Like, what, what is your coaching style? You know, yeah. are you an authoritarian? Are you more democratic? Like, what, 
what is your coaching style, um, you know, when is my baby coming home, <laughs> uh, how early can we come home for Christmas, but I think a little bit of it, you know, the parents need to take a step back and observe and see how the athlete interacts with the coaches because um, if the athlete is comfortable with the coaches and the team, then there's a chance that they're going to be okay. Awesome. Awesome. We appreciate you being on, Coach Stephanie Perkins. You know, this has been enlightening and just wonderful to have you. Continued success to you, and um, we'll, we'll get you back soon. Duck and Tim? Yeah, I want to thank you, Coach. And uh, next month we always uh, have track and field people on uh, the show. We know track and field, so we're going to do the jumps next month. So hopefully you'll be able to join us. Okay, yeah, I, I really appreciate this. This was fun. I was a little stressed thinking, you know, I didn't know what you guys were going to ask me, but um, I appreciate you guys considering me and allowing me to share my story. And um, I'm excited to hear some more. So, um, yeah. yeah, keep posting. I, I am now following, and I will continue to follow. Thank you for sharing today. I appreciate that. Have a great evening and a great week, okay? All right, you too. Thanks, guys. Uh, all right, all right. Thank you, Duck and Tim. We're going to get out of the way here for the men's conversation about March Madness. It is here. You see in about 60 seconds. Just, just go